Sideburns versus skinny jeans. Walkmans versus AirPods. Millennial or Gen Xer, we're going to dive right in to family, finances, and fun. Mom, is my laundry done? Really, Ryan? Welcome to In My Day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of In My Day. I'm here with Dave, and he's getting ready to pop the bourbon again. Hey, Ryan. How are you? I'm ready to roll. Good sound. Oh, baby. What do we got today? Well, today, Ryan, we've got some Russell's Reserve. This is a local Kentucky bourbon. And, uh, you know. That's good. That's good. It's uh, <laughs> 10 years old, 45% alcohol volume, it says. So 90 proof. Whatever the alcohol level is, you multiply that times two, and that's your proof. And this was a uh, father-son uh, bourbon making experience between Jimmy Russell and Eddie Russell. So aged for 10 years. So we're going to try it and just, uh, you know. See what you think. I'm in. Cheers. Cheers. All right. What would you say about this? Smooth. Smooth? Real smooth. Goes down easy. That lower proof. Yeah. That 90 proof versus I like that some, better. I don't like things are like 100, 105, 120. Yep. I'm, I'm not that tough. Too I hot. Guess. This is a little <laughs> easier for us, right? Yep. This is like we're the guys that we go in a Thai restaurant. We don't want the extra spicy five star. We want the. Give me the fake stuff. The fake stuff, okay. Just the 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 mild, mild there time. There you go. What All are we right. talking about today? Well, today we've had a little bit of craziness in the markets the last few weeks, and because of that, we've been getting more questions from not just clients, but we had a couple listeners ask for a request for a show. And the request was, what is the difference between owning a single stock or buying a mutual fund or an ETF? So we were going to dive into the differences today and when some things might be a good fit and when some things might be a bad fit. And keep this in mind, these none of these are recommendations. We're not giving any recommendations because all of this depends on your individual situation. No so, recommendations, none whatsoever. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I may do what these guys are about to say, we're not giving you any kind of stock tips. We're not giving you any investment tips. We're simply educating and answering a viewer's question on, hey, what about buying individual stock versus a mutual fund versus an exchange-traded fund, an ETF? So with that, what are your thoughts, Ryan? Well, for those that don't know out there, let's just start with the basics. I mean, an individual stock is buying a piece of a company. And then the difference between a mutual fund and ETF is a common misconception. An ETF, most of the time, not Ex- all the time. An exchange-traded fund. Correct. That's what it stands for, ETF, exchange-traded fund. Yep. So a lot of times you can actually buy an index. So the most popular one would probably be the S&P 500 index because it buys the 500 biggest companies in America. And that's a very popular thing to do, um, and it has been for a long time. While a mutual fund will have a manager that will go in and make changes to the fund. So those are the three differences, um, and I'll let you speak a little bit more to what fits the different situations. Yeah, I I think that, uh, you know, when when people are just starting off, you know, it it makes sense that you want to to have a very diversified portfolio, right? That's just common sense to anything. Yeah. uh, Until you understand what you're doing. And uh, so, you know, there's many people that just buy... Uh, index funds, right? An ETF, an exchange-traded fund that has the S&P 500 or has the NASDAQ 100 or has the Dow, you know? And it's just these are the these are the companies you see when you see a ticker 
on CNBC or on CNN or on any of your, you know, Apple iPhone or Google, you know, apps on any financial markets, and they they go up and down every single day. Um, the most important thing to know about those uh, exchange traded funds is that when it's an index based fund, they do rebalance that on a daily basis, and they also adjust that ETF for any kind of change in the actual uh, underlying you know index that they're tracking. So if, if for example, the S&P 500 runs their due diligence and for the 500 largest companies and suddenly um, there's two spots for two new companies because maybe one company might have, usually those large companies don't go out of business, but it could be that one or two of those companies was acquired by somebody else um, either in the index or by a foreign company, or they may have been taken private uh, by some of the insiders in the company. But let's say they have to add two more. Well, they're gonna they're gonna rerun that list of 500. They're gonna reach down, and whoever the next two are that that fit the requirements of the of the index, they're going to add those in. And so the idea with an index is you're constantly participating in companies that are growing and are relevant. And if there, it's a company that's not growing anymore and not relevant, they typically will, will exit the index uh, over time simply because there's somebody else that's growing and more relevant than they are. So essentially, you're always getting the best uh, you know, investments that America has to offer as far as growth and growing companies. You're basically getting to buy a piece of America without having to do the research into the individual names for someone that doesn't have the time or energy or person they know to want to do that research. So, and I think that you know, for a lot of people, that's perfect. It's all you're doing when you when you buy an index is you're literally just you're the only bet you're making is that American innovation will continue to innovate over and over and over and over and and rewrite the way we all go about this day-to-day thing called life. Yeah. That's it. Real simple. Now, on the other hand, you get into mutual funds. Those are a little different. And the reason is with a with a mutual fund, you're you're actually along with that fund hiring an investment manager. And so that investment manager is tasked with whatever type of fund it is. As an example, let's just say it's a um, growth and dividend company, right? And so fund. And so they say, well, we have to find growth and dividend paying stocks. So one, it has to be a company that's growing. And two, it has to be a company that pays a dividend. And if they're not doing either of those things, we can't own them in this fund. So they'll go out and they'll buy a basket of all sorts of companies that fit those requirements. And there's certain, you know, regulatory requirements that mutual fund has to um, adhere to. But the idea is, is that the manager or the managers of that fund on a daily basis are simply stewarding that basket of investments. And if anything changes with those investments, they'll make changes to the underlying portfolio. But with a mutual fund, you know, unlike an index, the index really doesn't change that often. Whereas with a mutual fund, 
there is turnover and there is more active management of those dollars. And, you know, whether that active management is beneficial to you is like a whole other topic for another podcast. We can talk on that for months. (laughs) But what I can tell you from personal experience is in a market that is going down, the mutual fund manager will never truly move you out of harm's way similar to the index. The index will do whatever the index does. So if the market goes down 10%, the index goes down 10%. And that's not that's not incompetency upon the manager or incompetency upon the index. That's just the index is doing what it's designed to do and the manager is staying within the confines of the rules what, that they're supposed to follow that you agreed to when you started them putting your money in the mutual fund. That's right. So what you hired them to do. There's nothing wrong with that. They're just doing what you told them to do. So that's But but essentially the the what we used to say back in the, you know, uh, dot com crash and then also in the uh, in the housing, you know, market bubble crash. Um, you know, so that's the the two big crashes outside of the pandemic that I've lived through in my life and in my career. You know, we always say that a mutual fund manager will always manage you to zero. Um, they're never going to tell you, hey, it's not a good time to buy our fund. And they're never going to tell you, you know, hey, you probably should sell everything because our type of fund, if it's a, just a, some random type of fund, is, is not in vogue or is not a good place to put your money. Because you're not hiring them to tell you that. You're hiring them to manage the money per the prospectus. And, and stay within those boundaries with the dollars that you place with them. And an example of that would be, let's say, hypothetically, at a certain point of time, small cap stocks weren't doing well. How about dinosaurs? Let's talk about a the, mutual fund that in, in, invested in dinosaurs back Dino- in the day. If they invested in dinosaurs, and dinosaurs were about to go down in value. Everybody loves dinosaurs. They would still have to stay, keep dinosaurs in their portfolio because that's the rule. Even so, if they know that dinosaurs are going extinct? They still have to. Because they that, see giant meteoroids, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is not going to be good for these dinosaurs. They'll pick the best dinosaurs that'll last the longest, if they're a good <laughs> one. But eventually, that's how that works. So it, it has nothing to do with the quality of the manager. It's just you have to stay within the confines. Now, on the flip side, if the they were buying birds, and the birds were going to survive, and the mutual fund had all birds in it, and you bought the best birds out there... Then you do really well because that some sometimes if you're in the right sector, it's not necessarily because of the manager. So the manager is try to do their best job within their confines. So on the third the third thing that he asked was single stocks. And there's a big negative perception, I think, by a lot of people out there that single stocks are too risky and you can't be diversified by owning owning single stocks. What's your thought on that, Dave? I think it's like anything else. I mean, if you have an interest in the stock market and you're willing to read up on a company and dial in and listen to that company's earnings calls and find any bit of you know information you can through analyst reports that are available online, through trying the product or the service, through talking to investor relations of that company, I don't think there's anything wrong with you owning individual company 
much less individual stocks and a basket of stocks in general. But I think if you're going to do that, you do need to be willing to put in the work. Uh, the example would be, you know, I've got a, I've got a tool set. I just bought this new wrench and socket set. That's shocking. It is shocking, but <laughs> I can I can unscrew anything, any bolt you need, right? Anything you need taken out, I can do it. But I realized in this socket set that well, I can take everything out. I don't have a drill. I don't have anything to actually put it back in the wall. So the 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 theory and the thought being with this is that I obviously had an interest in trying to learn what to do, but I'm not willing to put the time in or uh, equip myself with the tools I need um, to be successful at actually using the tools for anything other than taking something out of the wall. You yeah. know, I can't I can't do the full process, which is so it'd be kind of the same thing as buying the stock and and never actually looking at it and never selling it if something goes bad. Um, you know, I just think as long as someone's a you know willing to invest the time into building a portfolio of stocks, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Would I have everything I owned in just a portfolio of stocks? You know, without knowing the person, I can't give that advice, yes or no, with their situation. Um, but typically, having a more diversified portfolio overall makes makes a lot of sense. Though there's people out there like Warren Buffett. So you can't knock on him, and he's published saying, hey, you know, you can have a good portfolio of stocks with 15 to 25 stocks. Yeah, And that's what he does. Well, and, and that's interesting because there's a big perception in the world right now that to be diversified, you have to own a ton of stocks. And you have to own, there's between the S&P 500, the mid-cap index, and the small-cap index, what are the 3,500 stocks in those combined? So... Being diversified doesn't necessarily mean you have to own all 3,500 stocks. Can you? Sure, depending on your situation. But you can be diversified without owning some of those names, and in some situations, that's better. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a absolute no or an absolute yes. I think it really depends on your situation. As always. I think Absolutely. that's a great question though that someone had. Absolutely. Because, you know, and 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 then I would preface it with. There's, you know, one other type of of management option out there, right? There's the do it yourself, pick your stocks. There's the do it yourself, uh, buy an index and just let the USA attempt to continue to grow and reinvent itself each and every year, you know, root for the good guys. Um, there's the the third option of of hiring a mutual fund manager. You know, and then the fourth option that's out there would be hiring an investment money manager, actually hiring an advisor. But what's the difference between a mutual fund manager and a investment advisor, Ryan? Well, like we said before, the mutual fund manager is going to manage within the confines of what the mutual fund is supposed to do. The advisor is going to have to manage your money to your specific needs. So if the active money manager is taking discretion over the account before they do so they need to understand where you are where you've been where you want to go and what your risk profile is and knowing all that and knowing the knowledge of the market they take all that information and not only make decisions on what to buy and sell when to buy and sell but 
they can change the risk depending on what the market's doing and depending how your situation changes. So if you lose your job, they're able to adjust the risk for you, unlike a mutual fund manager would be able to if you just kept it in that same fund. And they can help you do that together. You know, that brings up a, a you, just, you just actually reminded me of a story in my day, right? I hadn't thought oh, about Lord. it for years. <laughs> when I first got in this business, okay? When I first got in this business, one of the first jobs I had was working as an analyst for an un, unnamed mutual fund company. And as part of this job, uh, I literally lived through the you know, growth of the market, 97, 98, 99, the bubble, you know, the fallout to 2002, 3, 4, and a whole different world than what it was in 98, 99, 2000. Um, the interesting thing was the fund I worked for, um, there's a family of funds, but they were all technology based. And so even though the technology markets, this was the tech bubble, right? I mean, that had to be fun in 97 and 98. <laughs> it was great. You felt really smart. And then as the bottom fell out of it and, and, you know, people started to yank money out of the sector and the NASDAQ crashed, which was at that time, very, very tech heavy. It still is, but it was even, I think, more mm -hmm. so tech heavy back then. The um, the interesting thing with the mutual fund was there were SEC rules, just as you described, that said the box we had to be in was that 80, it's the 80-20 rule, 80 cents on the dollar of any dollar being managed within that fund had to be exactly to the, the the written prospectus. 20 cents could be different. And so, you know, even though we knew it was a market top and there was literally, there was literally nothing we could do. You could buy, you could buy the most senior technology stocks instead of the less startup ones, right? And try to minimize. Uh, we'll own but in that time, it didn't matter. They all got killed. Yeah, we'll own a big company like a Microsoft, right, instead of Pets.com. Uh, but they all went down. Just went and, down 90% instead of 98. Right. And, <laughs> and so that was the 80% of the part. The other 20%, believe it or not, we put it into defensive names. You know, we put it into energy names. We put it into all other types of consumer names, all sorts of other types of investments for that other 20 cents on the dollar just trying to stop the bleeding, if you will, and the free fall that technology was in. Yeah. And, uh, and literally there's, there's no escape. And so I lived that on the front line of, of seeing exactly what happens. And I think that has given me a, a really good perspective in the sense of actually understanding how, how they work, how they work, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, I think it really is an important thing as you're thinking about how you align your portfolio as an investor going forward, just making sure that you understand whoever you're working with. Make sure you understand exactly, you know, whether it's retirement money or rainy day money or money for the future beach house or, you know, car or kids college or whatever the next goal is that you're saving, as you're saving those assets, it's really important to know exactly how they are allocated and in what investment vehicle. Yeah. Um, 
because if you don't understand that, theoretically, you could be taking a lot more risk than you ever even thought just by entrusting another person when theoretically, like a mutual fund manager, their job is not to protect you. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. But some of the people well, should know. If if anyone out there is thinking, I'm not exactly sure what I own or what I should be owning going forward, give us a call. We're happy to take a look at it. 859-219-1006. And someone in our office would be happy to help you with it. Um, and we, we can definitely give you a hand with that. You can always email Ryan as well, but his last name is so difficult. What I would do is I would just email team at familyfinancialpartners.com. That's team at familyfinancialpartners.com, and one of us will get back to you. We will. And thank you for the request uh, to who sent it in. And if anyone else has any other fun requests of what we should be doing, please let us know because we love new ideas. And if you liked today's episode or any of the episodes you've listened to, please, please like them, share them, because we're trying to get the word out on this podcast more and more. And the more of you that like it, that pass it on to friends that share it, that save the episodes, it just it just helps boost us and, and, and put us out there. So thanks in advance. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week.